Time where we encourage up-and-coming acts to earn themselves a round of applause in the I'm Sorry, I'll Read It Again talent contest. So, without further ado, let's hear the first act. And now let's hear the second act. <laughs> Introducing Ivor Menagerie and his singing animals. <laughs> Ivor, is it true that you and these animals a actually sing, you know, the, a the actual words? Absolutely, we sing together the actual words, that's right. Now, let me quickly introduce the group. Tonight we have a donkey. Eww. Duck. A goat. Meh. A horse. Eww. A sheep. Meh. A dog. Oh! Ah! And a chicken. What? Right. And we'd like to combine. We'd like to combine right now to give you a medley of popular favourites. One, two, three. Oh. Slow. <laughs> slow, slow. <laughs> slow. <laughs> Cares and woe, here I go singing low. Blackbird, because a sixpence is better than a pen, is better than a farthing, is better than none. And the hills are alive with the sound of. We ain't got a bad love We were ragged and foony But we'll travel along Singing a song Yes, I'm sorry, Al. <laughs> I'm sorry, Al. <laughs> Shut up. Oh. I'm sorry, I'll read it again. It's with you once more. <laughs> Timbrook Taylor, John Cleese, Graham Garden, David Hatch, Joe Kendall, and Bilotti. And here to tell you about it is John Otto Cleese. Oh, no, it's I'm sorry, I'll eat that again. <laughs> We present another, I'm sorry, I'll read it again, survey. Today, we look at the development of travel, culminating in a salute to the incredible efficiency of modern transport. We are sorry. We are sorry the rest of the band could not join in those fanfares. <laughs> But their train has been delayed. <laughs> it's incredible to think that only 80 years ago, the first motor car set off from London to Brighton. We've come a long way since then. Brighton at last! But uh, let us briefly look behind us. <laughs> Transport through the ages. The story of transport begins in prehistoric times. It was probably about two million years BC when man took his first big step forward. And then he took another, and before long, he was walking. About one million years BC, he checked a slab of stone into a circular shape with a hole in the middle and invented the gramophone record. <laughs> An innovation which remained useless till the amazing discovery of Edison in 1870. Hey, look, fellows, I've just discovered Edison. Look at that. <laughs> 
But the cavemen found another use for their records as wheels. They discovered that by fitting four wheels at the corners of an object, he could make it roll along. The next step was the domestication of the horse, which in turn led to man's first form of real vehicle, the four-wheeled horse. <laughs> next, men turned their attention to the sky. And in the early 16th century, Leonardo da Vinci began to try to emulate a bird. And in 1510, he... <laughs> in the mid-1700s, James Watt sat watching his kettle boiling and got the idea that revolutionized transport. And within a few years, there was a daily kettle service from London to Glasgow. <laughs> and now we're in the 20th century with the bustle of fast cars, the thunder of diesel trains, and the whine of jet trains. If only that caveman could see what he started. What would he say? Sorry! <laughs> yes, motor cars are getting more and more powerful. And of course, as they get more powerful, they get faster and faster. I'm standing here on Brands Hatch Circuit where they're testing a new racing car which should be coming up behind me very soon. A car which travels... Now, think about this. Uh, a, car, a car which travels five seconds faster than the speed of sound. Ah! One, two, three, four, five. Look out! Edited highlights. Edited highlights of that joke can be seen later tonight on BBC television. <laughs> to many men, a car is more than just a vehicle. A reliable family car becomes a wife. Will you... Married me. <laughs> Sounds like my wife. Uh, more and more people are joining motorbike gangs. The girls often choose a boyfriend purely by the size of his carburettors. And certainly... <laughs> to appeal to a young man's fancy of a gleaming motorbike with 500 cc's. 500 cc's? Where? It must be my birthday. <laughs> and everyone travels for work and pleasure on land, air or sea. In planes, boats and trains, though not in that order. But these advances do not always meet for the approval of the older generation. Oh, dear me, no. Uh, oh, oh, the trouble is today everything is going far too fast. What? Of course, the trouble is today everything is going far too fast. Who is being a bit slow, old chap? <laughs> no. Uh, I can't stand all these long-haired fellas zooming around. In their long-haired sports cars. With convertible model girls in headscarves. Can't stand long-haired fellas in headscarves. Everything was a lot slower in our day. It once took me 15 days to get from Piccadilly Circus to Hyde Park. 15 days. 15 days. 15 days? Yes. I got run over on the way. <laughs> Dashing about, we took our time. Yeah. Nice and easy. It used to take me yeah. six hours to walk to the bottom of my garden. Uh, and six hours back again. It used to take me ten hours to walk from my living room to my kitchen. It used to take me twelve hours to get upstairs to bed. By the time I brushed my teeth, it was time to get up. By the time I got downstairs, it was time to go to bed again. <laughs> Sleep for 12 years. Then I got a bungalow. Bungalow! Of course, I remember.
Rambo. Shut up, Gladys. Uh, we knew how to take it easy in those days. Oh, to quite recently. We walked everywhere. Had to walk. And we did. Absolutely. Always used our feet, even on the bus. Mind you, they, they had no engines then. Just <laughs> holes for your legs to go through. Oh, it was murder on a double-decker. <laughs> Of course, we had to learn early. I was walking at five months. I was walking at four days. I was walking before I was born. <laughs> My mother swallowed a pair of boots so I could get a bit of practice. Used to think nothing of walking to Scotland for breakfast, then down to Fran Gosland for the ice, Stedford in the afternoon, <laughs> over to Brighton for a ball in the evening. And then stroll back in time for a nice late supper in Bangkok. Yeah. <laughs> I walked to Australia, underwater the whole way, held my breath for 28 days. Of course, I got drowned. Yeah. I once walked to the moon. Really? What happened? No idea. I never came back. Oh, Long-haired fellows, long-haired fellows. And they wouldn't believe it. Just because it's a pack of lies, they wouldn't believe it. <laughs> Come on, let's put on our legs and go for a leisurely hop in the park. Yeah. And now, uh, little music. One of those wonderful songs about people dying.
try to forget But I haven't yet Cause she's not far away In some heavenly land Where fish bones are banned I seem to hear her say Oh, don't you cry We all must die And one day we're gonna be Out of our pain And together again And that's what's worrying me Thieves last night broke into a government clothing store and stole the entire stock of dark blue trousers. Police are looking pretty silly. <laughs> uh, tell me, when exactly did you first notice your husband's strange behaviour? Well, it was when he started this job on television. Yes. I think it was too much for him, Doctor. I mean, you'll see for yourself when he comes home. Ah, there he is now. <laughs> hello, 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 and here we are again, you lovely, lovely people. I've got all the questions, and if you've got all the answers, then you'll get all the prizes. <laughs> hello, dear. Had a good day at the TV studio. And here's our first contestant, a lovely lady who I'm sure you've got a great big warm welcome for. <laughs> What's your name, dear? Betty. I'm your wife, darling, remember? Now, you just sit down, and I'll get you a nice cold compress. Betty, eh? Well, Betty, you just stand right on the spot there. Now, have you, uh, have you come far tonight? I live here. <laughs> well, that's certainly coincidence. So do I. <laughs> well, 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 and are we ready for the first question? Uh, yes, And yes. here is the first question. What is for supper tonight? You have ten seconds to answer. Cottage pie, dear. And cottage pie is the right answer. <laughs> You're not nervous, are you? No, dear. Well, I certainly am. <laughs> now, here comes the second question. Who is this man? This is Dr. Fassbinder, darling. Well, how do you do? Ah, Doctor, eh? <laughs> now, you just stand right there, Doctor, and I'll ask you the question. Well, I wasn't... Have you travelled far to get here? Well, not far, no. Uh, not far? Did you come by bus? Um, I did uh, By car? Uh, by car. Ah, no, not by bus. Uh, you, you, uh, you did say you were married? Uh, uh, not... uh, but you are married. Uh, uh, you are married? Uh, not Ah, oh, you're not married. I, I, uh, you did uh, say your name was Arthur, didn't uh, you? Not Arthur. Uh, you came by bus, didn't you, uh, Arthur? Bus, did, no. did you bring your wife with you? You did say you drove a bus to Arthur, didn't you? I did not. Uh, you think I'm a loony, don't you? Yes. Bong, 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 Concludes the yes no interlude. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Bye! What is it that is so wonderful about French songs and singers? So strong, so emotional, a strength achieved by a subtle amalgam of unintelligible lyrics, several key changes, and a lot of shouting. Here is the undoubted master of the chanson, the one and only Charles. Has no voice. (laughs) 
L'amour est comme la mort. La mort, si froide, si crisée. La plume de ma tante, c'est pas la manger. J'aime beaucoup mon chevalier. C'est formidable Je prends le métro à Notre-Dame Brigitte Bado et Diffé Après Génaud de Gaulle Escrigot Avec pommes frites et une bouteille de Beaujolais Pour tout me délecter à la Polybégère J'aime votre face Votre yeux, votre jambe, votre nez Et votre tête du gêne looking at it, we present this week's episode of Professor Prune and the Electric Time Trousers. The story so far. Professor Prune, Trixie and Percy have lost battle, who has been written out of the serial by their arch enemy. And they are now in search of the lost city of Atlantis. I ask you, lose a city. They are accompanied by Miranda, the mermaid, a strange creature, half woman, half fish, and half witted. Suddenly, the gigantic shadow of a terrible sea monster falls over them. Now, read on. On. Well done. <laughs> the time trousers. <laughs> Look, the hideous monster fish. What's it called? It's the clever old cod. Oh, oh the clever old cod. It's reputedly even worse than that terrible blue bird that terrorizes the earth. What terrible blue bird? The navy lark. Oh, oh the monster's getting closer. We must hide. Cork, Scratchy. Look behind us, Uncle. There's lots of kids. We can hide in one of them. Be careful, this cave may be occupied. Oh, I say, there's something in this one. Listen. Oh, yes. It's a tuna fish. <laughs> What's it doing? 
Phillips Grove. Well, we'd better not go in there, I think. <laughs> Let's see if there's anything in this cave next door. Oh! What is it? A huge octopus with eight groping arms. Oh, that should do me very nicely. <laughs> Here's an even better cave. Let's hide in here. And so, with only seconds to spare, the little group ran into the cave. Oh, dear, I'm puffed. My, my old legs are not what they were. Really? What were they? <laughs> but before the professor could answer, Trixie let out a little squeal. How that little squeal? Oh, Uncle, I'm scared. Yes, there, there, now. Just to look at all these fascinating rock formations in here. Look, those rocks there look like huge teeth. And those over there look like tonsils. And, and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> more teeth. And, uh, ah. Everybody, I think I have some bad news for you. But the warning came too late. The great jaws snapped shut. Mm. Oh, delicious, boy They'd been swallowed by a whale. Down, down, down they went. Oh, down the gullet, fast the stomach, till they came to the liver, where they had to stop. What for? The lights were against them. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, 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 what are we going to do? Yeah, stop jiggling about down there, see, and get on with the singing. Singing? Yes, boy, oh, everybody sings in Wales. Oh. No. But don't you usually eat fish? Well, they sing too, you know. What do they sing? And I regret asking. Well, they've got lots of songs, boy. Oh, there's uh, Wheel Kipper Welk come in the eel side, you see. And uh, thank heaven for little gills. And then they've got to kiss me skate. And uh, love is a minnow splendid thin. And, and then there's the, the bream of Geronta, see. For what seemed like hours and hours, the professor and his little party sat listening to this appalling drivel and trying to find a way out. Out. Now that is a very good point. Just think about it. How are they going to get out? <laughs> Either way, it's going to be unpleasant. <laughs> and quite unacceptable to the BBC. Wait, wait, I've got it. And plenty of it, too. <laughs> I know how we can get out. Look, over there. Oh, a little door. And the above is an inscription. What does it say? It says this little door is provided by the Society for Keeping Radio Clean and Inoffensive. Oh. <laughs> Let's go. Oh. And so they swam out of the great whale who turned and bade them a cheery farewell. Cheery farewell, boys. Before them lay a great city. Oh, what a great city. <laughs> At last, Atlantis. Look, coming towards us, a little figure. And I think I recognize him. Can it possibly be? Yes, yes, it's Basil. Oh, no, it's somebody else. to the lost city of Atlantis, strangers, to the forgotten land of mermaids and mermen. Oh, who are you? I'm the Lord Moor. Oh. 
charge oh, here. That's no, sir. You see, the city of Atlantis, we're not really lost, it was stolen. And we are ruled by the old one, sir. The ancient being who has discovered the secret of eternal youth. You don't mean it can't be. Not, not, not Pete Murray. <laughs> I mean, the king of Atlantis. They call him Fetish. And even as they speak, news of their arrival reaches the ear of Fetish himself. Professor Prune here in Atlantis. You have done well to bring me this news. Here, take this aspirin for your pain. Thank you, oh master. And now, Carruthers. Now, I shall soon have the secret of those time trousers. Brushing Carruthers aside, Fetish swept across the room. Dusted the mantelpiece and cleaned the window. <laughs> then he sat down at the controls of his telescanner. And as the huge television screen burst into life, Fetish recoiled with horror at what he saw. <laughs> he made a few rapid adjustments to the controls, and the screen went completely dead. Ha! Ah, the Eamon Andrews show. <laughs> But at last, he saw what he wanted most to see. The professor and his chums. Ah, Carruthers, go and bring them to me at once. It shall be done, O oh master. What kept you? I went, I went by the prettiest route. Oh, now, you villain, what do you want? I want the secret of your time, trousers. <laughs> oh, you monster, you will tell me or else. Oh, I say, professor, look. He's holding a small, round, earthenware pot with spikes round the rim. Yes, it is the torture chamber for you. Oh, right. You'll never get the secret out of me. Very well. <laughs> Very well, then I must introduce you to the most dreadful thing ever dreamed of by mortal man. Yeah, I thought you'd forgotten all about it. Ah, <laughs> oh, Miranda, where have you been? I've been having my face lifted by a plastic sturgeon. Who are you? What are you doing here? Oh, a little pioneer, but masterful with it. You and I could really swing together. You can't get around me as easily as that, you, you know. You can't get around me as easily as that. <laughs> Well, there's a guided tour leaving presently. <laughs> Will you leave me alone? Help! Oh! Come back, you gorgeous creature! Oh, come back! Oh! As Fetish and Miranda faded into the distance, the professor was quick to grasp his opportunity. <laughs> oh, gotcha! Oh. <laughs> Quickly, into the time trousers, everyone. Seconds later, the professor's amazing trousers were off. Oh! <laughs> on a journey into the unknown, leaving Miranda and Fetish far behind. You have not seen the last of me. I have a three-month contract with the BBC. <laughs> Meanwhile, inside the time trousers... Hello, sit up. Helmut von Schweinhund. Oh. Look out, Professor. He's holding a GNU. A GNU? Isn't that a misprint? Collect sugar. And this misprint is loaded. Von on this is not like you. I know, I'm having a little trouble with the accent this week. <laughs> I am not the real Von Schweinhund. Then, who are you? I am somebody you once wronged terribly, Angel Knees. Look, 
So saying, the stranger took off his helmet, von Schweinhund mask and costume, and stood revealed. Great heavens, it can't be. It is. It's... <laughs> Spark! <laughs> the dog. Have we seen the last of Fetish? Have we seen the end of Lady Constance? You should be so lucky. <laughs> Where have the professor and his chums landed? Why not draw your own conclusions? But preferably not on the wall of Broadcasting House. <laughs> Meanwhile, don't forget... The time, trousers. <laughs> That's it, and that was our 70th show, which makes 35 hours, and I'm sorry I'll read it again. If anyone can prove that they heard all the programmes, all 70 of them, we will give you the name of our psychiatrist. <laughs> the voices you heard belong to Tim Brooke Taylor, John Cleese, Graham Garden, David Hatch, Joe Kendall, and Bill Oddie.